and uh, we are uh, blessed, and you guys are getting a day off. I don't get a day off today, but that's okay. I'm working right now, but that's okay. I love what I'm doing, and I actually had a real chill day yesterday, and I think I have a little time off this afternoon, I think. You know, um, but anyway, I hope you enjoy your day. I, I was looking um, and I saw the, uh, a definition for father, and uh, there's three parts to this um, definition. Definition is a noun, the father's a noun. Definition number one is a provider, protector, supporter. Uh, definition number two, they're a grill master. <laughs> Best advice giver, they give good advice. Number three, they're the creator of very bad dad jokes, you know, <laughs> but they're fun. Personal taxi, and they're also a friend. And if you also want to see more definition of a father, look for the word hero. And so we well, thank you all of our dads, and, and uh, we're grateful for all of us here. And uh, it's interesting, I didn't say it in the first service, but I started this series on Mother's Day, and I ended it on Father's Day, and, because we know parenting's hard work. You know, and that's really what we've been talking about. It's not really about parenting, but talking about work. And uh, what does that mean? And uh, it's just a kind of a quick, quick little recap of what we've talked about in the past uh, five, six weeks. We've said that work is, is created by God. It's a gift. Work was not something that came out of a curve. A lot of people think sin came and then work came after that. Work was, you know, was founded, work was created before sin showed up. Now, the curse of sin um, plays out in our work where it becomes hard work. Frustration comes with it, stress. You know, the people you have to work with. You know, we'll talk a little bit about that last week. You know, how to deal with your toxic uh, co-worker. Um, and, and so our environment can sometimes be a, a difficult environment. That's the result of, 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 of the curse, of the, of, the, of the fall of man, the sin. And so, however, we see work, and God has given us work, and it's an opportunity to represent God in the world. And so we don't work for the weekend. We live for Mondays. We live for Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays because we have an opportunity to represent God and to represent him. You see, we were made for Mondays for a mission, for a mission. And today's message is called the commission, the commission. And in Matthew chapter 28, you have to go there, but in Matthew chapter 28, one of the last things that Jesus tells the disciples and his followers is the great commission. And it's where he says to go into the world, you know, to go into all the world and, and, to, and to teach and preach the gospel and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to go into the world, to go out into the world. And, and your world, you know, includes the place that you work. Your world includes the place that you work. If you work a 40-hour job a week, that's 25, almost 25% of your hours in a week is at work. And part of your world is that, is that part of your world includes the place that you work. Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham said that the next great revival, the next great awakening is going to happen in the workplace. 
Now you might be saying, well, Scott, how exactly can I be an effective witness for Jesus in the workplace? Now, we're going to learn today, and we're going to take notes, and if you're taking notes, here's what we're called to be. Every one of us are called to be salt of the earth. We're called to be light of the world. We're called to be salt of the earth and a light of the world. If we're seeing a scripture, Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaching, this is chapter 5, chapter, chapter 7, one long sermon. It's just outside of his hometown of Capernaum. It's on a little bit of a mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And he said it to his followers. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled underfoot. Jesus says, hey, we're salt, that we are salt of the earth. Now you might be saying, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be salt? What is salt? Is that good to be a salt of the earth? And in the context that Jesus was speaking to, his listeners would have understood, would have known that salt was a very, very important commodity. They come very easy. You know, nowadays, it's very common. You can find a salt anywhere. They're everywhere. You know, it's just there. You know, you start for your, for your favorite food. You know, it's in your cupboard somewhere. It's on a countertop, right? You have it. I mean, you, we can get it, you know, and I love my salt. I love salt on my eggs, on my, on my, on my baked potatoes, you know, my hash brown. You know, I like salty food. I like my pretzels. It better have salt on it. You know, I like almond. It needs to be a little bit of a salty taste to it. It's all good. Hey, I'm even weird with my watermelon. I like my salt. I'm a watermelon. How many of you are weird like me? All right, there we go. You know, and so, hey, it just, it just makes it better. And, uh, and, and salt is so common for us, but back in this time, salt was very valuable. It didn't come that easy. In, in fact, in ancient Rome, people were oftentimes paid for their labor in salt. At the end of the day, you will receive salt, and that's where we get our phrase, hey, he's not worth his salt. And so Jesus says, hey, we ought to be salt of the earth. Now, that doesn't mean that what he's saying is that we're a salt of the earth people. You know, in other words, a good old boy. You know, he's a good old boy. He's a salt of the earth kind of a guy. That's not what Jesus was saying here. What Jesus is saying is that you are really a, a bad old boy. You're a bad old boy that was changed by a really good old God. You were transformed and changed by him, and because of that transformation, you should be a divine agent of change, a Christ-empowered influencer into this world. That's the thought of the earth that Jesus wants us to be. Not just to be a good old boy. That's not what he's talking about. To be an agent of change an influencer for Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. What does salt do? 
And I think we got some quick applications here uh, for us, if you're taking notes. Thought preserves. Thought preserves. If you're a Christian, you should be a divine preserver, helping people find eternal life to live forever with God in heaven. Thought, number two, it purifies. It purifies. In a very impure world, you should be an agent of purification, representing the kingdom of God and the holiness of God in a very impure world. Thought purifies. Number three, thought creates thirst. It creates thirst. Now, as a Christian, when you are so full of, the, of God transforming love in your life, You'll create a divine thirst in other people where they'll say, what is it about you? I want what you have. Thought creates, it creates thirst. Number four, thought melts. It melts. We all know that during the wintertime. We've got icy path, sidewalks, icy driveway, what we do? We throw salt on the driveway because it melts the ice. And in the same way, with the warmth of the love of God in your life, you can melt hard and cold hearts, and you can soften them up to hear the word of God. And last of all, salt heals. It heals. You ever have a boo-boo? You walk into the ocean, and all of a sudden it stings a little bit? You know, what's happening is that salt is getting in and it's cleaning out. It's acting like a, a, like a natural medication to that, to that wound and it's cleaning out the infection. And in the same way, filled with the Spirit of God, you and I can be healing agents in this world to people who've been hurt by religion, who've been turned away from God by other things, and you can bring healing. You can help bring healing in people's lives. You see, that's what it means to be salt of the earth. We're called to be salt of the earth. And then Jesus said in verse number 14, he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, uh, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And everybody understands that back then because there was no electricity. And so at night, if you want to have, you know, light in the house, they usually have one candle right there in front of the window, and, and they would light the candle, and it would give light to the entire house. And, and, and that's how people live. That common sense. You said no one, no one covers it up, you know, unless it's time for bed or you've got to leave. And, and, and even then, they would cover it up. Because, you know, lighting a match or lighting a candle was hard work, trying to create a fire. It's not like they had, you know, uh, lighter fluids or, you know, um, and lighters in their pockets or matches around. You know, there, there was a process. Uh, uh, so when they, when they were leaving, they would actually cover it, in a, uh, and they would cover it with a bowl, and the bowl would actually have a little hole on the top of it just to keep the air, just to keep the, a little bit of the kindling going on in that candle. And so when they get home or they want to light it back up again, it wasn't a painful process of trying to create fire. All right? and, and, and so it was important for them to keep it burning. 
And, and, and so Jesus says in the same way in verse 16, you need to let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So here we are. We are called, according to Jesus, every one of us, if you're a follower of Christ, you are called to be salt of the earth. You are to be light of the world. See, the world, it needs salt because it's impure. And the world needs light because it's dark. And so we are called to be salt and light. And when you get to know that, when you get to understand that, when you get to adopt this identity that you are salt and light, then you will know what to do with it. Because you are a light. You don't run from darkness. You shine into darkness. Because you're salt, you don't run from impurity. You, you know, God uses you as an agent of change to change lives. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a Christ-empowered influencer, and your life will make a difference for God. That's who you are. And some of you say, well, I, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like I'm salt and light. You see, it doesn't matter what you feel. That's who you are. You say, well, I need to learn more Bible. I need, no, 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 no. That's who you are. If you're a Christian, you are a salt of the earth. You are a light of the world. Now, I want to give you two thoughts here. That I hope that we can drive this truth a little bit deeper into your heart and help maybe some motivation for you as we become salt and light, wherever that is, at home, at work, wherever you are, we can become salt and light. Number one, it's real simple, but we got to learn this. We got to understand this. Number one, we got to let your light shine. We've got to let it shine. As a Christian, you don't ever have to force your light to shine. No, it's not something, you know, where somebody looks at you and you're just trying to, you know, trying to make this something happen and, and you get real tense and people are like, what were you doing? I said, man, I'm just trying to make me shine. What will you look like? You look like you're about to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's something you force. Remember, it, it, it's who you are. Who you are. You see, as a Christian, because of what God has done, when you realize who he is, it becomes a natural overflow of your life, and you just let the light shine through you. Not something you force, you just let it shine. Paul and Silas, two guys that we're going to look here in Acts chapter 16 in just a minute, but they were transformed by God, and everywhere they went, they went telling people about Jesus. They couldn't help themselves but to talk, to be, talk about Jesus. They just could not help themselves. And every time they talk about Jesus, you know, the spiritual, religious authority comes around and says, you guys got to stop, but they wouldn't stop, and so they would arrest them, and they would beat them, and that's it just went on and on and on. And then we get to Acts chapter 16, and the same thing happened. You know, Paul and Silas, they were preaching the gospel. They arrested him, and Paul and Silas, and they stripped him, stripped him of their clothes, 
They, they flogged, they have him flogged. They put him into prison. And their legs were put into stocks. And so, you know, if you're like me, you just kind of read over that and you say, well, man, these guys are just having another bad day. And I, I want you to pause for a minute because it's so easy to get into the scripture and to kind of miss the emotion of the moment. Miss the, the feel of what's happening here. I want you to think about just how bad this day was. They were stripped. In other words, publicly, they took their clothes off. Publicly humiliated them. Stripped them of their clothes. They were beaten. They were flogged with a whip that would have had glass or a piece of metal at the end, at, at the tip of their whip. You know, so that when they whipped, it would come around their body and embed into their body, into their skin, and, and it would just kind of rip their skin apart almost to a point where they might be exposing some of their inner organs. And then they were put into a dungeon. There, there's no prison reform back then. You know, it, it, it's dark, <coughs> it's cold, it's damp. There's diseases everywhere. There's, there's, you know, you can think of every creepy crawly thing you can think of, they're there. And, and, and that's the environment they're put in. And, and then they were put into stocks. Now, I know what you're thinking in your mind. You know, sometimes you go to a museum and they, you know, and they actually have maybe a stock from the colonial American. And, and if you want, you, at the Kodak moment, you can kind of put your arm into it, put your head in it, you know. If there's a, a bench, you know, you can sit down and put your feet down into a couple of stocks and, and you can smile and you can pretend you're, you know, miserable or whatever. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about. That's not exactly what happened here. It's very likely that they would have put them in stock, they would have spread their legs almost like a wishbone. They would get it to the point of tension where it's almost about to snap. They spread their legs out. And then we'll have them sit down on their butts, on their bottoms, and the cramping that would cause would be tremendous torture. And they would sit there for hours, their arms, legs spread out. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. And so, well, what did they do next? What do you think Paul and Silas were doing after this? What would you be doing? I think I know what I would be doing. Probably the same thing you're thinking of. You're thinking about the worst thing possible. But Paul and Silas, look at what they did in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them because of who they were. They were letting their light shine. I can promise you, they didn't have an emergency meeting and say, hey, Paul, hey, God, you know, there's some prisoners over there. You know, maybe we need to do some Jesus stuff. It wasn't a meeting they needed to do. It was who they were. It's what they did. 
they let their light shine. Now, have you ever seen a beautiful, bright full moon? And we look at it and we say, man, what a very bright moon. Now, I want to get technical for a minute. Is the moon bright? No. What's bright? The sun is bright, right? The moon is doing what? The moon is reflecting the sun. And in the same way, that's what we do as light of the world. You may not be bright on our own, but we are reflecting the sun, S-O-N. We're reflecting him. And as we reflect the sun, others around us, they say, wow, I see the light. And it's reflecting off you, and you just let it shine as a natural overflow of who God is and what he's done in your life. Now, remember the song we used to sing? You know, it's VBS week. I know I sang it in VBS. You know, that's right. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Now, I'm not going to sing it because I don't want my light to get, get you know, to damn here because I'm not that great of a singer, but, you know, I'm going to let it shine. Well, I know that's all right. And then the second verse is, I hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And then the third verse. Don't let Satan, not some, some say, blow it out. But I was taught, Poof it out. Don't let Satan poof it out. I, now I, I dare you to use that word poof in your, in your, in your conversation this week, somewhere, somehow. Poof. I, I'm going to let, don't let Satan poof it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Now, Christian, if you're a Christian, you're like not shining. There are two reasons why. Two reasons why you're like not shining. Number one, it's because you're hiding it under a bushel. You're afraid of what people might think of you. You might be at the workplace, in the marketplace. And you're like, man, I, I don't want, if, if people think I'm a Christian, people will think I'm weird. I might, I, if people think, there's, if people know that I believe that there's one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ, they might cancel me. And I don't want to be canceled. And, uh, by the way, I'm not, what I'm not proposing you to do is in the middle of the afternoon at your work to climb on your desk with a big old Bible and start preaching the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. Now, if the Holy Spirit of God is telling you to do it, you know, do that. But that's not what I'm saying. You know, but I, I'm saying don't be shy about who you are. Let people know. And yes, they may, they may make fun of you. They may mock you. Or they may respect you. And there may be a time where they come to you, especially when they hit rock bottom. Don't hide your bushel. Don't hide your light. Don't hide it. Don't cover it with a bushel. Let people know. You know, when you go on a company work trip, 
you got to go on a job, and, and, and everyone at the job after work say, hey, we're going to go to the strip, strip club. Be a, be a man. And you say, hey, I'm not going. Well, why not? I say, because I'm a Christian, and it's inappropriate for Christ's followers. I'm, listen, don't get preachy at them. Lost people are going to do what lost people do. But you set an example of, of, of a Christ follower. Don't hide your candle. And if your light's not shining, you're hiding. You need to remove the, you need to remove the bowl, remove the cover. But here's the second thought. You know, it's, it's, maybe it's Satan just blowing it out. You're not spending time in God's word. You're, 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 not, you're not being led by God. And you're feeling like you're in a dry patch in your life. And you need to ask God to reignite a fire in your life filled with his Holy Spirit so that you can do what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, which is to shine. It's to shine. We go back to Paul and Silas. That's what they did. They let the light shine even in the hard places. Notice what happened when the light was shining. Look at verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. In other words, God showed up. God showed up. A move of God happened. And, said, and the foundation of the prison doors, or of the prison was shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chain came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And you might say, well, why would he try to kill himself? Because the jailer knew that if, if any prisoner had escaped, he knew that he would pub- be publicly executed. He just thought, I'd just get it over with. But Paul shouted in verse 28, Paul shouted, hey, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're all here. And what's amazing is this, if God had broke me out of prison, if I was in this situation, chances are that I'd be taken off. I'd be running as far as I can. I'd be thinking, man, that jailer who put me in here, he's the guy who did this with my legs. He's the bad guy. He's darkness. I am so out of here. And that's what so many Christians do today. They look at people and they say, oh, darkness. Oh, secular music, spicy hair, you know, alcohol, bar drinking. Oh, no, I got to run. I got to run. And we run. We run. But you see, darkness, if you're taking notes, isn't something you run from. When you're light, you're shining into it. And that's what Paul and Silas did. They saw darkness. They could have run. But they went to the guy that wanted to harm them. Harm Paul and Silas and wanted to get rid of them. But they ran to him because he was about to take his life. Paul and Silas said, hey, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. We're still here. And Paul and Silas did showed love. They showed love for the guy. They didn't want him to hurt himself. He's the bad guy, and yet they loved him anyway. That's what they did. That's being salt and light. They still loved. 
And so this guy, I don't know enough. It doesn't matter. You don't have to know enough. You might be learning, that's okay. But we know what the people are looking for. People are looking for you to love them. I heard this phrase a long time ago. I've said it here before. People don't care how, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Before you can speak into someone's life, they want to see that you care. And Paul and Silas cared about this guy, that they ran to him, and they shine a light. When you care, you can minister to people in profound ways. And that's what Paul and Silas did. Now, the second thing, if you're taking notes, first you gotta let your light shine. That's who you are. Be filled with the power of God and God's power will come out of you. You gotta let your light shine. Number two, and then understand that your salt and light living changes lives. Paul and Silas, they look at the jailer and say, hey, what's still here? Don't hurt yourself. Don't, don't kill yourself. Look at verse 29. The jailer called for light. He rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? They are the most powerful, biggest, most complimentary question that anyone could ever ask you. It's when they say, hey, I've seen your faith, I've seen your life, I've seen your unwavering passion and your commitment to God. How can I be saved? I want what you have. You worship when you shouldn't have been worshiping. Oh, you preach when you should, when people told you to stop preaching. And whatever it is, God move on your behalf, and I want it. What, what, what must I do to be saved? How can I get that? And here's what Paul and Silas said, verse 31. They tell them, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. Paul and Silas said, call upon his name. Call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. Now what's incredible about this story and what this jailer is that, remember, they were in Philippi. And many theologians believe that this was the single event that brought the birth of a whole church in Philippi. Two people sharing with one person who gets saved, including his entire house, and a whole church came out of it. Because two guys became salt and light. My friend, I know it's not easy. I know it's tough sometimes but we're called to be salt and light. And when we let the light shine through us, it will change lives. You may not see it right away. You might not even know about it. But it can make a difference. We're called to be salt and light. 
You know, I didn't tell this story in the first service, but I, I'll tell it to you guys. I, I, I used to work. My last job I had was at David Bowen Sporting Good. I mentioned that um, last Sunday. That was my last job, and, and I was there, and I wasn't there as Scott, a pastor Scott. I was there as Scott as a all things retailed with sports Scott. It was a sporting job, and I was just a normal guy working. And I was working with this lady about my age, and she was so far from God. You know, just every other word was in a splitter, and she hated me. I was the new guy, and for whatever reason, I didn't do anything. She just hated me from day one. And they were tough. I mean, I, I going to work, working there was tough because I knew I had to be around her for, you know, about six, seven hours. And, and I didn't like it. And there were times when we had to work. I couldn't run from her. She would toss it. There were a couple of times where I just had to bite my tongue. It didn't mean, I didn't let her walk all, all over me, but I didn't get down to her level. I wanted to. <laughs> the flesh in me wanted to get out and, and, and say, you know, I, she needs to hear, you know, as, as ungodly as she's been talking to me, I'm going to give it back. But I didn't. It was tough. I stopped praying for her. Finally, the church I was at, called me full time and gave my two weeks notice and went our separate ways. I was teaching in a small group, young adults, 25, 30 young adults in one room. I was teaching on a Sunday morning. And uh, about two years later, I'm teaching and all of a sudden I look up in my group and I see that girl that I work with. When I got up there, she was one of the first person I saw, and, 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 and she saw me. She had no idea that, that was the class that she was walking into, but her eyes got really big. And, my, and, and I, I, I had a moment like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, here we go again. You know, you follow me here. I did my lesson. After class, I went up to her, hey, good to see you again. She says, Scott. About a year ago, someone talked to me about the Lord Jesus, invited me to church, and I went, and I got saved. I said, Scott, thank you. I know I, was, I know I gave it to you, but you never gave it back. I was touching your Christianity. I was testing and watching to see if you would flip out. You never did. And that's what made me more mad. That the harder I tried, the more that you just stood your ground and you stayed faithful. And because of you, you made a difference. Now, I wasn't the one that led her to the Lord, but I planted a seed. What seed will you plant this week? You know, last week I was at a conference in New Orleans, so hot. So, so hot. Someone told me before church this morning, they were outside serving. I said, oh, it's so hot. 
outside. I said, you don't know hot. I just came from hot. 100% humidity, 95 degrees. Woo. You know, and, uh, but we had a conference in the past week. The highlight of the conference was a commissioning of 79 couples that were trained and ready to go into foreign mission around the world. The dark corners of our planets. And I was so excited to see people being sent with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I thought about, you know, what if we have a commission in here? Because we're called not to go to the dark corners of the planet, but we're called to go to the dark corners of our workplace, the dark corners of our neighborhoods, the dark corners of wherever we might be in our county, in our area. We're called here. And we have a responsibility in our calling to be salt and light. So I'm going to do something here. I'm going to do a commission, and I'm not going to bring everyone up to the platform because my platform's not very big. So we're going to flip it. The platform is where you're sitting. We're going to pretend this is the platform. And I'm going to list some occupations. My goal is to cover everybody. If I get remotely close to it, though, I want you to stand anyway. And I pray that by the end of this, most of us are standing, if not all of us. I even have it at the end, in case I don't mention your job specifically, I've got the word others. All right, so I got, I've got a blanket, I've got a blanket insurance right here to cover everything, okay? I do my best to do it as much as I can. If I mention your occupation, your field, I want you to stand and remain standing and at the end. I'm going to pray over you. To commission you out to be salt and light. You ready? If you're an artist, a musician, a creative, maybe you're in advertising, marketing, film, television, web, print design, please stand now. If you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner, Please stand with us this time. If you're in healthcare, pharmaceuticals, biotech, medical, or some facet of the field of science, please stand up. You're in education, athletics, coaching. You work with children. You're a homemaker, stay-at-home mom or dad, or you're a retired person. Please stand up. If you're in government, state, local, federal, including our military, law enforcement, fire, firefighter, emergency services, please stand up. If you're in law, finance, accounting, tax, you're good with numbers, please stand up. If you're in social services or the nonprofit sector, or you're in Christian ministry, part-time, full-time, some form of that, please stand. Real estate, construction, architecture, transportation, maybe a trade, in some trade as a plumber, electrician, painter, mechanic, carpenter, please stand. 
if you're in the service industry, such as retail, food service, hairstylist, you're a chef, a waiter, a waitress, maybe you're in hospitality, please stand. If you're in business, technology, consulting, professional services, engineering, manufacturing, you're a factory worker, please stand. And then of course, the final category is other. So if you're other, please stand. I would stretch out my arms. I pray for you. Because the, the salt and light idea is not just for guys that are in ministry. It's for you. Billy Graham believes the great revival, the next great revival in America, in our world, is going to happen in the workplace. I pray, God, that you ask us, that we help us to be salt and light in the world. Help us to be an agent of change, whatever you have called us to do. Help us to be salt and light there. I pray that you allow us to be a blessing to the nations through our work for your great and holy name. I thank you for the men and the women that are represented in this room. God, we know that you placed each and every one of us in a workplace for your specific purposes and for your plan. I pray that we as the people of Lake Point Church would be a, a fragrant aroma of the gospel to the world that is watching us. Oh God, I ask that you would show each and every one of us how we can leverage our lives in the workplace for your kingdom. Give us faith. Give us boldness to scatter the seed of the gospel. My Lord, I ask that you will be glorified through our work and that we would, through our work, that we would take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We lift all these things up as we are being commissioned to be salt and light. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate one another. Let's give it up as we are going out into the mission field. You may be seated. It's my time to go, but before I leave, go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while. But goodbye is not the end I 
Don't forget the things that I taught you. I conquered death and I hold the keys. Where I go, you will go too someday. But there's much to do. But before you leave, oh, go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. Oh, I've got to go now for a little while. But goodbye is not the end of the Goodbye is not the end. Goodbye is not the end.